Hey, my name's Adam, and I am the West Shore Campus Pastor here at Coastline Church on beautiful Vancouver Island. Welcome to our podcast. All the content that you will find here is meant to point you to Jesus and encourage you in your journey wherever it is that you find yourself. So thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy the message. Good morning, everyone. So excited to be talking to all of you today. Times that pretty well. Pretty proud of myself for that. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Shandy. Um, if I've never met you before, my name is Emily Lowe. Um, I work on staff here. I do our next steps here, so I help people get connected. Pretty much, I get to take out people for coffee. I get to uh, help people get into small groups. That's a pretty awesome job, and so I'm so thankful to be talking with you. Uh, my husband, Brett, and I, we've been here. Why don't you wave, Brett? To Brett. My husband, <laughs> my husband, Brett, and I have been at this campus for the past five five-ish years since we got married, and we have a little guy named Easton. He's a year and a half. He's awesome, and we just love it here. We love being a part of this campus. We love all of you. We think of you often. We're praying for you often and just want you to know that when we leave the, this, the, you know, these doors, we're thinking of you, and we love you, and so I'm really just so excited to be talking to all of you. It's such a privilege. Um, so we are looking right at the book of Acts. So if you haven't been joining us, you know, we've been in this series. We're looking at the early church. We are going into the Bible. We're doing some old school teaching about the book of Acts. And so, you know, maybe you're new here. Maybe you're a new Christian. I've been hanging out with lots of new Christians, people who are searching. That's kind of part of what I get to do with my job. I run something called Alpha, which will be uh, running in the fall. And that's for newer Christians or people trying to look at the foundations of our faith. And so if you are new, I just want to give you a little bit of context. You know, when I was a kid, I went to church. But kind of growing up, I was never really a part of a church community, and uh, I was always super confused when people got right into the Bible. I was like, what are we talking about? Who's this Paul person? Like, am I supposed to know this looking around? Um, when I was, I first moved here, I was a middle school leader, and we would do um, kind of what they're doing upstairs with youth. We would do uh, Bible trivia, and they would wipe the floor with me, those little middle schoolers. They knew so much more than I knew. So I always like to give a little bit of context. So, you know, Acts is a book in the New Testament, and it's right after the Gospels. Um, the Gospels are all about the life, you know, the ministry of Jesus. You know, he, uh, he calls all of his followers. Um, it's about his death and his resurrection. You know, it's an incredible time. And so we're looking at what happens after. We're looking at what happens after Jesus has died and has been resurrected. You know, he gives his disciples, his followers, this great commission to go and make disciples of all nations. And so this is what they're doing. And so we've looked at a lot of really significant moments in the early church of Jerusalem, right? We talked about the day of Pentecost. That was a super special Sunday here. We're looking at the gospel growing, you know, incredible healing and miracles. Last week, we talked about Paul, the conversion of Paul. So we've been looking at the power of the gospel, the Holy Spirit at work. And now as we move into Acts 10, which is where we're going to be reading from, we're going to be looking at the growth of the gospel. So the Holy Spirit continuing to move in the lives of the early church. Are you ready? Great. Let's pray before we get into it. And then we're going to look into Acts 10. So Lord, I just thank you for all the people who are here. I thank you for this opportunity to share your word. God, would you just be here? Lord, none of this matters unless it's for you. None of this matters, God. And so I just pray that you would bless this time, that you would reach into people's hearts, God. And would you actually just be in charge of everything I'm saying in this moment, God. We just love you so much and we honor you, Lord. Amen. 
Amen. All right, so we're looking today at Acts 10. So if you have your Bibles, uh, if you have your old school Bible, good on you. I see two, which is fine. I always have my phone. That's totally fine. I always forget it every Sunday. Every Sunday somehow I forget it, but it just happens. And so we're looking at Acts 10. And so pretty much what happens at the beginning of Acts 10 is that there's this, there is this man named Cornelius. And he receives a vision about Peter. And so he has his people send for Peter. We're going to talk lots about Peter today. He's a leader in the early church. Uh, he was a disciple of Jesus, and he also receives a very specific vision. And so we're going to be focusing on this vision that Peter receives from God. And so we're in Acts 10, verse 9. I'm going to be look, uh, reading from the New Living Translation. It might be on the screen. Behind, it will be on the screen behind me because John's up there. So I'm going to read from this. So it says in Acts 10, verse 9, it says, The next day, as Cornelius's messengers were nearing the town, Peter went up to the flat roof to pray. It was about noon and he was hungry. Amen. But while a meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw the sky open and something like a large sheet was let down by its four corners. In the sheet were all sorts of animals, reptiles, and birds. Then a voice said to him, get up, Peter, kill and eat them. No, Lord, Peter declared. I have never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared impure and unclean. But the voice spoke again, do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. The same vision was repeated three times, and the sheet was suddenly pulled up to heaven. So this is the vision that Peter receives, right? So Peter at this time has seen some crazy things. Um, you know, as a disciple of Jesus, he has seen Jesus heal people. You know, he's seen Jesus walk on water. He walked on water with Jesus for a short time, right? And this is the vision he gets. I got to ask you guys, is this the vision you would choose? I wouldn't choose this vision. I think I would want something to scooch more specific, uh, maybe something a little more inspirational. Maybe if you're a hunter, this speaks to you, right? A bunch of animals on a sheet. But this is not necessarily, I'm not a hunter, so this is not the vision that I would have chosen. But this was so specific to Peter. We're going to talk about the significance of this. So Peter was Jewish. You know, the Jews, the Israelites, they were God's chosen people. We're going to talk about Gentiles as well, and Gentiles are non-Jews. So Cornelius, the man that sent for Peter, he's a Gentile. We'll talk about that more. And so we actually read about the Jewish people in the Bible in the Old Testament, right? This is God's chosen people. He saves them over and over, right? Uh, you know, that the Israelites um, are enslaved in Egypt, and God saves them. He makes a covenant, a promise with these people through the law. He guides them. You know, he provides them with earthly leadership through kings and judges. He speaks to his people through prophets. And they remain, throughout the Old Testament, their cho his chosen people. And so, as a Jewish person, right, even in today's culture and at that time, there would have been a certain amount of guidelines for Peter to follow. Many of them are moral laws that we still follow, the classics. Don't kill, you know, don't cheat. Others. Uh, and, uh, you know, he, those are still some laws that I couldn't think of anymore. Those are still some laws that we would follow. Um, but there's also certain holidays and certain traditions, specific instructions about the Sabbath, and, and uh, certain foods that you could and could not eat. Certain foods that would have been declared unclean and not fit for a Jewish person to eat. And so this is how Peter would have been raised. This was his culture. Jesus was also Jewish. But in this vision, God is telling Peter something that totally goes against Jewish culture, right? He's saying that now Peter can eat from anything. The voice says to eat food. Peter replies because of his Jewish culture, right? I've never eaten anything unclean. But the voice says, do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. So you're thinking, okay, 
why does this matter? Why are we talking about clean and unclean foods here, Emily? But something has obviously changed, right? If this is the way that is a part of Jewish culture, the Old Testament, right? Something has obviously changed here. Jesus has changed things. You know, we've been talking about it all morning. We've been talking about just the message of the gospel, that Jesus was all man and all God. Pastor Adam likes to say he was God with a bod, right? Jesus' body. Bod means body. Yeah, Jesus was the first. Not everyone laughed, and I think it's really funny. You know, Jesus, he was the first person to completely obey all aspects of the law. He lived without sin. No one was able to do this. And in dying for us, he fulfilled the law. He made a new promise with his people. And so as we've been walking through Acts, we know this to be true. The early church is spreading this gospel, right? That Jesus came, that God came to die for all people so that this burden of sin would not be held on people anymore. And so it means that other things have also changed. This is what God is saying here, that things have changed because of Jesus. And we're going to continue to read Uh, the rest of this to understand the implications for those specific people and for us, because it's not just about animals, ladies and gentlemen. There are some more implications here. And so what happens, we're going to pick up the rest of the story. Peter goes with Cornelius's people. And so Peter is with some of his friends, some other church leaders, and he's also with some Gentiles who are non-Jews. And so this is what it says in Acts 10, 24. So it says, they arrived in Caesarea the following day. Cornelius was waiting for them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered his home, Cornelius fell at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter pulled him up and said, stand up, I'm a human being just like you. So they talked together and went inside where many others were assembled. Verse 28, it says, Peter told them, you know it is against our laws for a Jewish man to enter a Gentile home like this or to associate with you. But God has shown me that I should no longer think of anyone as impure or unclean. And then in verse 34, it says, Then Peter replied, I can see very clearly that God shows no favoritism. In every nation, he accepts those who fear him and do what is right. Amen, right? God shows no favoritism. I think if we're being honest, it can sometimes feel like God does have favorites. I like to do this joke with my husband that I am God's favorite because he has really bad seasonal allergies, and I do not. I just walk through spring just blessed, right? Sneezeless, and he really, really suffers. Uh, You know, I I think it can sometimes feel like God shows favorites. I grew up with two older brothers. Um, Their names are are Nick and Lucas. Some of you guys actually know Lucas. He's a pastor at Coastline. I'm going to tell some embarrassing things about him, but he's not here. So he can't defend himself. And I definitely felt like God showed some favoritism. Um, So my brothers, all of us played a lot of sports growing up. We played like basketball and track and volleyball and kind of anything, right? You named it. And they were just really, really good at sports. I definitely made the team. I was a part of the team. I was a good defender. I, I grew up pretty like early, like I was pretty tall, so I was kind of like a goon. So it always worked out well, right? I really loved sports, and I I always held my own, but I was not at the same level as these two. So to give you some examples, my oldest brother, Nick, um, he also matured super fast. When he was 12, he looked like he was like 18. And um, when he did his like middle school track and field meet, right, with his school, he had never done track and field before, and he entered every single event for fun. Who does every single event, right? But he entered every single event. He won every single event. He came back with like 14 gold medals, right? And it continues, right? He's, we all had to do track and field after that because he was so good at track and field. So we all as a family joined track and field. 
And so my other brother, Lucas, um, again, he played lots of sports throughout his life. In grade 12, he won this really prestigious award. So we grew up in Kelowna. And he won pretty much, uh, Kelowna, yeah, he won, <laughs> he won um, an award for, for academic, definitely not. He won an award for athletic excellence for grade 12. <laughs> he did fine. <laughs> he did fine. He's fine now. Anyways. <laughs> That's too bad. Uh, he, he won an award for, I'm gonna talk, I'm gonna tell a cool thing about him. So yeah, he won an award for pretty much um, an all-time, all-time grade 12 athlete for the entire Okanagan. So not just Kelowna, the entire Okanagan. It's like being the best athlete in grade 12 in, on the island. So, but I made the team, right? Casual things. And I just need to show a picture to really show this. So um, first, that first picture can go up. Oh no, not that one yet. All right, that's okay. I just wanted you guys to know that this is not what we look like anymore, but that's totally okay. Um, so here I am in the middle. I think I'm probably in grade, I think I'm probably in grade six. There's Lucas. <laughs> he's in grade, I think probably in grade eight. And then there's Nick. He's in grade 10 there with a goatee, right? Talk about God's favorite. Look at the facial hair, right? And so you can see I have, right, I'm representing, I'm not sure what these awards are, but I think we probably had like some sort of athletic um, awards. And at my schools, we would have like awards for every single sport. So there would be like MVP, most inspirational for grade eight girls basketball or whatever. So I won something. I'm not sure what it is. Look at the two of them. Look at Lucas, this giant award in his hand and three medals. So that's probably representing four or five sports, right? Look at Nick's. Look at how many he's holding. And I'm just showing a brave face, trying to say, it's fine, it's fine. But you know what's so interesting is I definitely grew up thinking like, what the heck, God? Like, I'm, I'm doing okay here, but I'm not doing as good as they are. Look at them. I don't know if you have the other picture, John, if you could show that one, just to show that this is not what Nick looks like anymore. It's fine. They're handsome. They, yeah, there we are. That was us at our wedding. I just wanted to show you that. They, we, we all glowed up, okay? So you can, uh, you can remove the pictures now. So again, I, I, you know, I played sports. I made the teams. But I definitely felt like they were the favorites, that God had given them a special blessing when it came to athletics. You know, I think we show favoritism all the time. My son, Easton, I am his favorite. If he, if he injures himself and my husband, Brett, is closer to him, he will go around my husband to come find me. If I just go brush my teeth in the morning, I just hear him, ma, 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 right? I'm definitely his favorite. We all show favorites. You know, I don't care how cheap that Chapman's ice cream is. I'm buying the Ben and Jerry's because it's better and I have favorites, right? But we see here in this scripture that God doesn't show favoritism. He doesn't show favorites when it comes to his love. Right? We can see this play out in three ways in this story. We can see that God does not show favoritism when choosing his people. When choosing his people, he does not show favoritism. Who did he choose to share this vision? Who did he choose to later speak to the Gentiles? He chose Peter. So we know we get to see Peter right now as a church leader, right? He spent time healing people in the name of Jesus, right? He's spending time preaching to people. But before this, in the Gospels, Peter was just kind of an average person. He was someone who was so imperfect. He's one of my favorite people because he's someone who, you know, when he was walking with Jesus, he would always say things that he shouldn't. He would always speak without thinking. I can really relate to that as we have seen today, <laughs> right? 
right before Jesus' death, he famously betrays him, right? Jesus is dead, and he has just said, I do not know that man, his teacher, his leader. And this is who God continues to choose to lay out his plan, right? It's not out of Peter's will that this happens. He doesn't just have a comeback story. He has a redemption story that when Jesus is raised from the dead, Peter is also raised, right? And in Acts, he has spent time healing in the name of Jesus. He's been put in jail for, you know, the gospel, and he continues to serve the will of God. We can see that that the Jews are not just God's chosen people anymore. It includes everyone. And we see that God doesn't show favoritism because he uses an imperfect person like Peter. And so this is what happens as the story continues with Peter. Peter goes on to speak to other Jewish leaders in the church and the other Gentiles. He preaches the good news to the Gentiles who were there. This is what it says in Acts 10, 39. So he's with a group of Gentiles. Some other Jewish leaders are with him as well. And this is what he says. And we apostles are witnesses of all he did throughout Judea and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a cross. But God raised him to life on the third day. In verse 42, it says, And he ordered us to preach everywhere and to testify that Jesus is the one appointed by God to be the judge of all, the living and the dead. He is the one who the prophets testified about, saying that everyone who believes in him will have their sins forgiven through his name. Peter is literally preaching the gospel to the Gentiles, the non-Jews. God is using an imperfect person like Peter to preach the gospel to a group of people who have never heard it before. This is what it says in verse 44. Even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. The Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out onto the Gentiles too. For they heard them speaking in other tongues and praising God. Praise God for this. This is incredible. Peter just preached the good news, the news that Jesus came to die for all people, that he broke down, right? He fulfilled the law to a whole new group of people. This is a group of people that would have never heard this message before. And God orchestrated Peter to preach it to them. That's incredible. If you're here and you're wondering, does God really care about me? Does God see me? Does he want to use me? Let Peter be an example to you that God wants to use everyone, including those who turn their back on him, including those who are imperfect, including those who speak without thinking right. If we just come back to God, if we come back to him, he wants to use us. So we see that God does not show favoritism when, one, choosing his people, and then, second, when displaying his power. When displaying his power, you know, as I mentioned before, Jewish culture had a lot of structure and guidelines for how to eat, how to enter into someone else's home. There was a lot of divides between the Jewish people and the non-Jews. And so here we have the leader of the earliest church of Christians going into the home of a Gentile because God has orchestrated it. And then he says those words, God shows no favoritism. And then the Gentiles are baptized here with the power of the Holy Spirit. Right? God has confirmed through Peter that the Gentiles have the same access to the salvation available through Jesus Christ. That separation between Jew and Gentile, clean and unclean, it's being broken down because of what Jesus did on the cross. And this is all through the work of God. He's bringing about the salvation of these people. And he displays this power. Right? The Holy Spirit falls on them. They begin speaking in tongues. The Jewish people who were there were amazed that this could happen to Gentiles, to a whole new group of people. And I just need to ask you, do you know that you have the same access to the Holy Spirit? You have the same access to the Holy Spirit. You have the same access to this power. Right? It's not about us having like superpowers, like we're not going to read someone's mind or like lasers. I don't know. Uh, but if, you, you know, if you're a believer in this room, 
you can walk in confidence that you have the power of the Holy Spirit in you to change things in your life through the work of God, right? This is something that I feel like I kind of just discovering, like in the past couple years, you as a Christian, because you have the same access, because we see it here in the word, you can pray for people and believe that things will change. Because of the Holy Spirit in your life, you have the same access because those boundaries were broken down. Jews and non-Jews, everyone has the same access. You, as a Christian, have the ability to rely on the Holy Spirit to work through you in your life. You, as a Christian, have the ability to trust that the Holy Spirit will comfort you in the darkest times of your life. That is what we get. That is what we see here in the Word. You know, we have this thing called Freedom Conference. And it's a really specific type of small group uh, curriculum that we go through. We're going to be doing it again in January. It's kind of all about if you have, um, if you have kind of hurts and habits and hang-ups, things that you need some extra prayer for, some extra learning. If maybe you've gone through trauma or difficulty or insecurities, kind of whatever, we offer this, um, this kind of 12-week, pretty intensive small group curriculum. And at the end, we do this thing called a Freedom Conference. So we did this last March. I had never even attended a Freedom Conference. I had never um, been a part of the curriculum, but I was in charge of the prayer team. It just worked out that way, right? I was in charge of the prayer team, and so we had this specific training, and, and, and we were, you know, at the conference, you actually pray for every single person probably like seven or eight times, and, and we talk about uh, abuse. We talk about shame. We talk about really, really hard things, and I was the person who was going to be praying for someone to be freed, from things that they had struggled with their entire life. And I remember actually talking to Pastor Adam, talking about others being like, I don't know why I'm doing this. Like, how am I supposed to be the one who does this, right? And he just reminded me, like, it's not about you. It's about trusting. It's about having confidence that the Holy Spirit will work in you because I'm a believer, and so I have the same access to the Holy Spirit. And you guys, it was incredible. I remember actually encouraging the other people and saying the same, you know, and this is in the Bible, the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead lives in you. I prayed for people who, I remember this girl saying, I, I just hate myself. That's what she said. And I got to pray for her and she felt different. And it wasn't because of me. It's because God was using me and I trusted him because I can remember, right, that I have the same access to the Holy Spirit. And you guys all do as well. It's not about the people on this stage. It's for all of us. So this is what we see, that God does not show favoritism when, one, choosing his people, two, displaying his power, and three, giving his purpose, giving out his purpose. There is a greater purpose here than what is just happening in the early church. So without this moment in Acts, without the gospel coming to the Gentiles, coming to a whole new group of people, none of this, what we're doing, matters. Because we would have never had the access. We are Gentiles. I'm going to venture a guess and say that probably we're not Jewish people in this room. Maybe some of us. Who knows? But I'm going to venture a guess that many of us have not grown up in this tradition. And so without this moment, none of what we say or do matters. It doesn't apply to us, right? The Gentiles, like us, you know, we don't have to do certain things. We don't have to follow certain laws, right? We talked about this with communion. We don't have to do certain things to have access, to have a relationship with Jesus. All we need to do is have faith. And through that, we can see that he is a purpose for all people. We are the beneficiaries of God's word in Peter. And the early church talks about this throughout the entire New Testament. So this is what it says in Galatians, and this is the Passion Translation. So it's, it's just a little more casual language. Galatians 3, verse 26, it says, You have all become true children of God by faith in Jesus Christ. By faith. 
in Jesus Christ. Faith immersed you into Christ, and now you are covered and clothed with his life. And we no longer see each other in our former state, Jew or non-Jew, rich or poor, male or female, because we're all one through our union with Jesus Christ. Amen, right? This scripture shows us that God came to bring his power and his purpose to all people. We see this through Peter, right? We see this through the Holy Spirit coming on this new group of people. And now we see this through his purpose. And I want to ask again, like, do we really, do we really receive this purpose? It's been promised to us. We can read this in the Bible. It's been promised to us. You know, that Jesus, he died for all people so you could know that you're not forgotten. That you could know that you're included. And I think that kind of purpose can change a community, right? It can change lives. It can change a community. And we see something really interesting happen right at the end of the scripture that we've been reading. So we've already read this, but when Peter is preaching to the Gentiles, the Jewish leaders are so surprised, right? In verse 45, it's the Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out to the Gentiles too. You know, and there is a belief of God's chosen people because that's all that they knew, right? And so I think we run the risk of being like these Jewish leaders, right? Limiting what God can do in our own lives, what God can do in the lives of others. This is such a uh, testimony of my own faith. You know, like sharing that funny story, I've matured since then, right? I can understand that I have different gifts and different talents than my brothers. But when it came to my faith, I feel like it was just, I was so me focused. I've always felt like I was missing out on God's purpose because it didn't look like someone else's. And I think we, we run the risk of making our faith so me-focused or taking our faith and trying to fit it into this little box. If I can just fit it all in here and I can come on a Sunday and I don't have to change anything, but I can just come on a Sunday and then my faith will be there. And I don't think we knowingly do this. This is not about shame at all. This is my life, you guys, right? I grew up thinking, I'll just go to camp once a year. Yeah, that'll be enough. I'll just go to camp once a year and I'll, I'll hear something from God and then I'll just go to camp the next year. Right? And I was just always like, why am I so anxious? Or why am I, why am I feeling so disappointed? And why, why when something happens, it just crushes me, right? It's because I, I was just putting such a limit on myself on what God wanted to do in my life. Right? The gospels came to the Gentiles so we could live out our faith in every aspect of our lives. That's why it came to this group of people. Right? The fact that God used his people to bring his power and his purpose to a completely new group of people shows us that we can't limit what God wants to do in our life. Right? And what does it say? What does Peter say? He says, I can see very clearly that God shows no favoritism. In every nation, he accepts those who fear him and do what is right. It just starts with faith. It just starts with faith, right? It just starts with believing and saying, okay, God, like you have my life, not just on a Sunday, but you have my life when I go to work. You have my life as a parent, right? I will be obedient to you. And so I wonder if he's asking you to be obedient today or if he's asking you to forgive someone. I'm not saying that this is easy at all, right? It is so hard to walk this out in daily life because God wants all of us and that can be really hard to give up. Right? Lots of us in this room want to control, right? want to fit something in because it just is scary. It's scary to know that God might ask you to do something that's scary. But we know here right, that his power comes on us, that the Holy Spirit is promised to all believers and he will be with you. Right? God's love came to the Gentiles, to you and to me, so that we could know that his love is not limited to a certain group of people or to a place, but he wants to act out in all areas of our life. So I just want to pray for you. And I want to pray two prayers. You know, for some of you, I'm talking about this power that you have as a believer. 
I'm talking about how he chooses his people and that all we need to do is just have some faith, but some of you actually haven't taken that first step. And I just want you to know that sometimes our faith, you know, can be this big, powerful moment, but sometimes it's just as simple as praying along with the person who has the microphone and saying, okay, Lord, okay, Jesus, I believe in you. I'm gonna trust you and I want you to be the Lord of my life. And then you just kind of drive home and things start to change, right? It's not this, you know, I think we sometimes over-spiritualize everything, but it can just be a simple choice. It can be a simple choice to just say yes, to just believe, right? We see that God shows no favoritism, that he created you, that he wants so badly to be in your life, to be in a relationship with you. So I just wanna pray for that group of people first. So why don't we all, just out of respect, why don't we all, you know, bow our heads? Why don't we close our eyes? And so it's a really simple prayer. It's just sorry, thank you, please. And so what we start with is just saying, you know, Lord, I'm just sorry. I'm sorry for the ways that I have sinned. I'm sorry for the ways that I haven't turned to you. And we say, thank you. Thank you for all that you did for me on the cross. We say, please come into my life. So if that's you, I just want you to, to pray those in your own heart. Sorry, Lord. Thank you. Please come into my life. We thank you, Lord, that you ask everyone to come into your family, that this story right here in Acts shows us that no one has been left out, that all we need to come to you is to come to you with faith, that we don't have rules, we don't have regulations, God, but we just have to have faith and you do the rest. Right, you sanctify us, you make us um, stronger. You, you, know, you show us the fruit of the spirit. And so I just pray for all of those people, God, for someone who's been waiting or been scared to take that leap with you, God. I pray that they would, they would you know, step into that with so much courage and so much hope because on the other side is a love that they've never known before. So we thank you, Lord, and we pray for all of those people. Amen. And I just wanna pray one more prayer. I just wanna pray one more prayer and I wanna pray for those who, you know, you are a believer, but maybe you're feeling like you've been limiting what God wants to do in your life. That you just need a fresh flooding of the Holy Spirit. And I just want you to know that there is no shame here, right? That this is just our life sometimes. That there are ebbs and flows in life. There are ebbs and flows in faith. Maybe some of you are walking something really, really difficult. And you need to be reminded of the love of God, right? So I just want to pray for all of you today. Maybe you've made your faith too small. You've forgotten that he actually shows his inclusive love through his power and purpose, and he has a greater purpose for you. Maybe there's something that you need to walk out in in obedience. I want to pray for you today. So let's just bow our heads. Let's close our eyes. Lord, I just thank you. I thank you that you are so good, that you always have purpose for us that we may not always see it. We may sometimes limit it in our own lives, God, but I just pray for this group of people. I pray for this group of people at Coastline West Shore today on July 2nd. God, will we not be defined by what we cannot do, but will we, would we be defined by what you can do in our own lives, God? That the same power that rose Christ from the dead is inside of us as believers. The same power that chose to speak the gospel to a group of people, to a group of Gentiles, Lord is within us. And so that means that we can just accept it and we can walk that out. God, if you are pressing us to forgive someone, God, will we have the courage to forgive someone knowing that you walk with us? If you are impressing on us, God, that you just want us to know that we haven't been forgotten, Lord. I pray that that would be so real to someone today, that someone who's walking through something, God, that they would know they're not forgotten. They're not forgotten by you, that you show no favoritism. 
Lord, I just pray that this group of people would be defined by what you can do in our lives, God, that we would just grow, not because of our own ability, not because of our own strength, but because of what you want to do in our lives, Jesus. So we give all these things to you, Lord. We just pray and we accept you, God, for all that you want to do. We love you, Lord. Thank you that you don't show favoritism. Thank you that you brought the gospel to these people so we could benefit from it today. We love you so much, Lord, and we accept all that you want to do in our lives. And we just, we just come here with faith. That's all we can do. We love you, God. Amen.